Hey everyone, welcome back to a second episode of Game in Hand. This month's Game in Hand was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. This little trip down nostalgia way made me think of a couple other beat-em-ups I'd like to play. And so that's going to be the topic of this week's episode. I had an interesting feeling while playing Shredder's Revenge. Instead of growing in my loathing of AAA game studios attempting to milk my nostalgia for $80 plus DLC, aptly named Tribute Games made a game that I could only describe as nostalgia to the point of poor brain function. Having my neurons spin up again when you hear familiar voices and songs from your childhood just kind of like clogging in your brain and then suddenly you realize that the game is over and you're back in your rut. For the two and a half hours that held my interest hostage, I beat the story on hard, tried out every hero, and made sure to top up my Xbox Game Pass subscription again. It was such a faithful sequel to Turtles in Time, the arcade game, and the soundtrack was really cool, although kind of weird. Weird in a good way, but so odd because they didn't stick to a genre. It's weird because they search you out in arcade music, kind of reminiscent to the original soundtrack composed by, hold on, I have this written down, Mutsuhiko Izumi, and then throws that familiarity out the window later when you're gliding in the skies to 80s pop rock, kind of to the style of Stan Bush's The Touch, and then like 20 minutes after that, you are stomping Shredder to the Wu-Tang, one of the vocal artists, uh, Anton Corazis, was rapping in Mutant Over Broadway which is a pretty good song, but for some reason it made him go on Twitter and publicly clear his name from the Nerdcore Rap Association he got. It was just such an odd composition mixed by... Uh, oh, okay, so I have the pronunciation on Twitter. It is Tiago uh, La Lapsh. I don't know how you pronounce that P-S-H, but it's Lapsh. Lapsh. Okay. We'll, we'll just make this easy on myself. T's soundtrack was pretty banging. At some point, I know any art style will go through a refresh, an evolution to change or grow with its fan base, or do what most series do and just kind of alienate everyone who used to like it the way that Way Forward did with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Danger of the Ooze. It's kind of harsh, but I think Way Forward has an uneven mix of good and bad titles. But unfortunately, Danger of the Ooze was probably in the bad side. Definitely far from their best work if you ever played the Batman game. Because to this day, I still remember that donkey-faced Donatello with kind of like that middle-of-the-face ridge that cuts the bottom half of his face from his eyes. And that diastema, the, the teeth gap, uh, it's just burned into my memory. Like, I'll never forget. Shredder's Revenge wasn't without its weird points. Like, when I was playing it in day one, launch version, it had some interesting boss AI problems. Like, there were more than just a few bosses that didn't want to walk directly up or directly down to attack you, which allowed you just to taunt to your heart's content and build up meter. Or side quests that brought back notable characters, or what I thought was spin-off characters, until I realized that those teenaged vaguely similar Florida Man Frogs being actual cartoon story canon. 
and I think that's what plays into why this game is so highly reviewed. It has a way above average gameplay, and it was honestly just true to the original, fanbase faithful, an appropriate homage. And count me tickled excited because I just, I love side-scrolling beat-em-ups, and that 1990s to 1995 era of arcade games is just some of my favorite. Like my MAME library that I have, I hold so dear. Every time that I feel like I have an hour but I don't want to spin up and get settled into like a full-on RPG experience. Well, just boot up MAME, take a trip down memory lane, and remember what it was like to play a game for an hour and a half, four bucks at a time, and just feel content with it. I do it so much that I was actually extremely close to building myself an arcade cabinet in my house to just kind of refill my member berries whenever I wanted. But that is also the hard part when you are modeling your game after an arcade series. When I was playing Shredder's Revenge, I got really into it. I got into it so much that I really just wanted to beat it in one sitting. And then unfortunately, I did. And honestly, for the $25 asking price, they took Turtles in Time, redid the units, you know, brought everybody back for the voiceovers, stretched out, whatever, 18 comic book-esque type stages, and I completed hard mode in two and a half hours. I don't know what to tell you, or maybe what you should expect out of this. I'm confident I'm missing achievements, you know, co-oping, maybe a little bit extra with friends, or maybe fixing the broken bosses, or some sort of like extra DLC might drag this number higher. But realistically, that's it for me. It was a fun distraction. Uh, I'm glad Microsoft is bros with .mu games for bringing everything to Xbox Game Pass day one. I hope it doesn't hurt their revenue stream, uh, but honestly, I hope .mu continues to grow the beat-em-up genre and continue to pump out games for my beloved genre. At the time of this recording, the game is sitting at a 92% on Steam, which is kind of weird because it's also the same all-time score as Streets of Rage 4. Uh, so I just, I don't know if it's just member berries driving these sales and reviews. I'm glad I got to experience it on Game Pass. You know, if you're always looking to find how to get a uh, big experience out of a small amount, you should Google how to stack Xbox Gold and redeem Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for kind of three years of really cheap Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. But even considering that, at a $20 price point, I think this kind of hits the top end of what I would consider an appropriate amount to experience a game like Shredder's Revenge. I just think that these games are great uh, in bite-sized packages, you know, that arcade pick-em-up style. There's very little mainstream competition right now for beat-em-ups, especially ones that tie so intently into childhood nostalgia. Your Street Fighters, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If I had to pick a trajectory, I would imagine we're going to get X-Men sooner or later, but I won't get my hopes up. But if we can stop and talk for a minute, kind of about the price, I know I have to come to an understanding that it's always that this price is paying actual people for their hard work. The music artists getting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles band back together and whatever, paying off Viacom or Nickelodeon or I guess whatever shell corporation holds the rights to my childhood now. I always thought it pays to be a smart consumer, but it probably sucks for the innovative people who put out their hard work only to be like, 
uh, yeah, your game is worth about a monthly rental on Xbox Game Pass. Or I'm only going to pick it up when it's 75% off Steam sale. And it's always so weird, like especially with indie games, that I don't even feel bad throwing away 20 to $30 at an indie title versus what I feel is wasted money on an $80 title. Let's take another example. Uh, Cuphead, the last course DLC, just came out. It was 10 bucks. I beat regular mode and all the King's games in probably about three hours, whatever, plus or minus a dinner break. I got A minus and A's all across the board. It felt honestly like I was playing a complete fourth chapter of the game. And quite honestly, because I liked the game so much and for its uniqueness, I, I just didn't even think twice. To this day, I still feel like they underpriced their original. Like I felt they could go a little bit higher, but whatever, that's just me. I've basically just been waiting since they said uh, the last course was coming out in 2020 to pick up my favorite dishware run and gun again. So I paid full price. The DLC definitely tugged at my heartstrings. I could have waited until like the second day because Green Man Game put it up instant 20% off on the second day, but whatever. I guess I just throw my money at things I love. And it's so weird every time I think of games that never go on sale. I, I bet you could probably list off a couple of them. The ones that don't really follow big publishers, whatever, historical data of game sales timelines that say, okay, well, on launch day, two weeks after launch day, you need to have a 10% off sale, 20% off on the first quarterly sale, 25% before Christmas, and then you know, let chaos decide when you're going to put this game 50% off. Well, okay, wait, I'm going to qualify that statement because basically last episode in the Steam Deck, I basically just rained on Nintendo's parade for putting out a five-year-old game on sale for $55 for the first time. Games like Factorio, they hold out for so long. It, they hold held out so long they slapped back at people asking when the game might go on sale, straight up saying, you know, it's never going on sale. I can actually remember it was $20 when I bought it because it was early access. And then when the game actually came out, they jacked it up 10 bucks. So, I mean, hats off to them for not only getting the price right, but kind of releasing a legend of a game. The only other game that comes to mind that I can think right now is Beat Saber. That game has honestly never gone on sale on Steam, but I imagine that anyone who owns a VR headset owns Beat Saber. I'm just, I'm just the anomaly. I got my two hour play in to get the nostalgia out and now I just have to wait. But let's backpedal. There are so many arcade games that I'd probably rebuy in a heartbeat. Give me the lobby matchmaking. Give me proper net code. Give me scaling functions, you know. Put in the work that modern day emulation puts in into these rehashes. Like, for example, th this whole second part of the thing came from the fact that Capcom has released its Arcade Stadium 2 of second series, which is them reselling games that everyone loves to emulate. Um, they're selling it for $6 a game. It's way more expensive than their first offerings to basically allow you in a new platform to emulate their old game engine. And I think it's wrong on multiple levels, mostly because a lot of these games I really like, 
In fact, a lot of these games I actually already own. But it's honestly, it's just been the same group of games since probably about 2005. I'm trying to remember whether the PS2 re-release collection pack came out or whether the PSP version came out first. But I guess it doesn't matter. It just goes to show you how many times you will forget that you own Street Fighter 2, Captain Commando, and like the entire Ghost and Goblin series. Like seriously, you should look up how many times they've released these arcade stadium games on other platforms and in different formats. If you thought Bethesda had people buying Skyrim four times, imagine people buying Capcom Classics collections over and over and over every time a new game comes out, like Battle Circuit. And I know I'm, I'm still gonna go always going back and look at the listing. You know, they are bringing back Street Fighter Alpha, they're bringing back Darkstalkers, there's a Dragon Ball Z game that I just can't remember the name of. You know, I would love to see more of Capcom's, like, really good games, like some of the more non-mainstream games, uh, their racing games, their wrestling games. You know, I'm pretty sure they have at least some, like, vertical or horizontal side-scrolling shooters. Sometimes I just wish through all of this there was just an easier way of legally acquiring ROMs. If we were getting those games at the $2 or $3 range to have a stable engine with some matchmaking functions, I would highly encourage other publishers to kind of crack the whip and resurrect all these old arcade games. Or, I mean, just hire tribute games to bring their kind of caliber games to the market. Even with MAME's kind of infinite customization and, well, the fact that it's free, I would still love to be able to play games like uh, The Punisher, Vendetta, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, Alien vs. Predator, and then eventually, you know, just bring back the old Turtles in Time once Shredder's Revenge has made enough money. I guess since I'm just rattling off names, we can talk about a few games I played on MAME and hopefully they'll get their re-release. Like I said, The Punisher, Vendetta, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, AVP, all too easy to remember. Uh, there's a lot of other games that were similar to kind of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the Shadow over Mystara or Tower of Doom kind of series. Uh, other fun arcade games probably include King of Dragons, Ooh, I think it's a Capcom title, uh, which was similar to the kind of Dungeons and Dragons style without using the name. There was a game that I played called Dungeon Magic. It was really early first time because it had a super tiny play area and honestly I felt like half the game, maybe more like 80% of the game was just trap rooms designed to, you know, drag quarters out of you. But I think if you were to do a full playthrough, you could probably get through on like 6 to 10 credits. Uh, Crystal of Kings also comes to mind as well as honestly, I mean, if you've played Dragon's Crown, it's uh... It's a game that you don't want to like because of certain um, artistic assets. But what was really weird was I had such a fun time with like the gameplay loop of Dunge of uh, sorry of Dragon's Crown. It might also be because I have a soft spot for Vanillaware, being another developer that I hope brings more games to PC. I'm just trying to think of all the other side-scrolling beat 'em ups I've played. Uh, Arabian Magic, which is kind of like a Middle Eastern version of uh, King of Dragons. Shadow Force was made by Technos Japan, who, I mean, Technos kind of just like disappeared off the map. 
which was weird because I really liked their uh, dodgeball game, and I grew up playing D Double Dragon 3 for its difficulty. Best dollar to replay value, I guess, there. There was like a really weird Spider-Man game. I think it was just called like Spider-Man the Video Game. For some reason you could play as like Hawkeye, Shadowcat, um, and who was that fake, not fake, the, the ripoff of Aquaman. I think his name was like Submariner or something like that. It was a tolerable experience, but I mean, what else? All I can think of now is Hawkeye, because he, although he appears in games like, what is it, Captain America and the Avengers, I find it surprising how hard kind of video game creators went to include him as maybe like the budget category, but he never really gained much love until like probably more recently. I'm going to try and only list off maybe a few more games, otherwise we're going to be doing this forever. There's a whole bunch of other games like uh, Warriors of Fate, which is more based on like kind of Chinese legend or, or history. I've, I've never actually figured it out, but it's like, it feels like Dynasty Warriors. Knights of Valor had three games, and I, honestly, most of them probably could have held their weight in North American arcades. I'm trying to think of games that got the X-Men treatment, you know, like uh, The Simpsons, uh, I think there was a Bucky O'Hare game. Uh, it was kind of fun, probably not the same caliber as the other two. Honestly, it was very cartoony, <laughs> and now that I'm thinking about cartoony, uh, Ninja Baseball Batman. Uh, is a game about baseball wielding, uh, baseball bat wielding baseballs, just smacking some cartoonish nonsense around. Uh, I'm trying to think back more to like Michael Jackson's Thriller. There was like Night Slashers where you beat up zombies, it, whatever karate kicking zombies. Every time I think of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, I think of like break, breaking out into dance and weird robots. I don't think, I think it's just one of those games that stay popular and everyone talks about just because of its like infamy for being so weird. But I don't know. Sengoku series was all right. Uh, there was a game that was on Dreamcast that was called Dynamite Cop. Uh, I think they just slapped it with a, uh, a diehard label because honestly, why not? It made so much money. Last game I think I'll mention is uh, Zero Team 2000. At least I think it's still called Zero Team 2000. It probably fell into obscurity with that name, but it was a really weird game that had some solid gameplay about, you know, dudes running around beating people up in high tops and uh, a female in um, appropriate fighting attire because, you know, why not? They're all stellar games. Let's just stop and take a breather because I essentially just name dropped 20 arcade games, and I've probably lost focus from what we originally started this podcast about. Uh, and looking at my next point, I realize I don't have a hope segueing back in. This is supposed to be a topic about finding out where the line is in both price and quality in reviving kind of beat-em-up or other arcade-style games. Because honestly, after playing that, I booted up MAME, and honestly I threw a bunch of MAME games on my Steam Deck just to like, play around. I think if you're looking for something with a little more substance than something you can play for an hour and beat, maybe it's not your style. But I mean honestly, I say all these titles because I'm in my mid-30s, and most of these games I've probably been playing since 
just out of high school when MAME was becoming more popular. Kind of that being said, I don't imagine that there's ever going to be a chance of playing most of these games uh, on Steam or in a legitimate format. And so when I start to talk about how Capcom is re-re-re-re-re-re-re-releasing their arcade series, you know, I, you kind of still have to give them props because it's still publishers like Capcom who are starting to do some digging to drag out all of the old games for us to enjoy. In Capcom's case, you know, easy, easily emulatable games. I think whatever, two to four dollars to thwart people who are just going to go download ROMs is probably the way to go. Uh, it's far too easy to get whatever game you can think of, because I think uh, all the way up to Xbox 360 kind of games, you can just download them off archive.org. If you go on archive.org, you can see everything, you know, PS2 games, GameCube games, Xbox 360 games. But I never realized how organized emulation has become. It feels weird that you can have something like archive.org kind of being your de facto source of all emulation. You, you know what I mean. For anyone who's had to go download ROMs from like way back when, you had to rely on whatever dope ROMs.internet or uh, ROMSKingWorld.biz. You know, one of those mini sites that if the ones that are actually still around, I won't name, but all it is is just a graveyard of listings or just so much malware that you just don't even want to be there. And it's been talked about by other kind of content creators. But what do you do when titles are lost? You know, when a company goes under and suddenly you can't figure out who owns the rights to a game title. Is it wrong to try and stake a claim on a dead company's dumpster run? Is there some kind of like ninth level of copyright hell to take a ROM and reverse engineer it if it's your own work? So if you have no clue what I've been ranting about with arcade games because you've grown up with your phone and can throw $30 at something to get the newest JPEG, um, I would encourage you to at least go on the internet and do some research. There's going to be a lot of games that most of you would probably enjoy. And for all you uh, older folk here who know this is just old boot and don't need to try anything out, hopefully some of the games that I listed off uh, are helpful. Uh, there's always platforms like Launchbox that kind of like take your MAME library and organize them into, put them into a great format. You can even pay for premium to get, I think they call it Big Box. It's kind of like Launchbox's version of Steam Big Picture, but ramble over. I'm still super happy that I got to experience Shredder's Revenge. Uh, I encourage everyone to go check out Tribute Games, Games, uh, .mu Games, and honestly, just I hope this is more of a revival of arcade style games, especially my lovely favorite side-scrolling beat-em-ups. But that's it. Thank you for listening in to episode two of Game in Hand, and I will talk to you all next time.